Radio with Kendall Moore, WVON AM 1690. Let's talk about it. Come on. New Generation. Kendall Moore Talk Radio, WVON AM 1690. Streaming live from the web, WVON.com. Let's talk about it. This is 1690 AM WVON. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Kendall Moore Show. We are streaming live at WVON.com, as well as we are a part of the iHeart family. So those who are listening across the country, we certainly appreciate your participation. All right. So first show of uh, February. Uh, Robin isn't in. No, it's Black History Month, but Robin isn't in. Hannah left. She didn't want to rock with the show tonight. I still love you, Hannah. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna blame that again. <laughs> Hannah, she, she can't handle she the Friday night belt. show. She left a seatbelt at home, so she couldn't <laughs> ride it up. Oh, so, you know, we hit a lot of bumps. We ain't gonna, we ain't, we ain't gonna talk about that. Mad, mad, mad love to my girl, uh, Hannah. Uh, what's that? Will in the building? What up? What up? Nada Beretta. Hello. Fire Naya. Isaiah the I, and of course, Delvin is on the ones and twos. Ladies and gentlemen, as I uh, typically begin each and every Friday night, I always like to send shouts out to the team and everybody who makes this machine go around and around and around. Tonight, I have the honor of saying that I am going to uh, be uh, picking up an additional person to the Kendall Moore Show team. And the reason that I'm picking up an additional person is because my sister, my uh, my girl, the one who makes this show go round and round and round, she is transitioning. And I am referring to my girl Fayanaya. Everybody knows Fayanaya. If it if 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 it whatever it is, Fayanaya is the person. Naya Brooks is what her real uh, government name is. Uh, Naya is transitioning, and so that leads me to who we uh, who we're picking up here at WVON. We're picking up Naya Fire <laughs> because she's transitioning into a, a, you know where she's going to go, and you know I have her right now. She's going to be talking live in just one second. Uh, I'm I'm picking up a brand new person. When people when uh, individuals have to move on. A lot of people are afraid of change. A lot of individuals uh, don't know how to handle it. You know, some people, you know, they lose their job and they lose their mind. They don't know what they're going to do because their job is all that they have. 
Me, on the other hand, I'm always looking at, at, at the glass as half full versus half empty. And I say that because Meyer Brooks has been the, 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 the consummate, the ultimate uh, right-hand man, woman, everything that I could possibly want in a person to be a part of this show. If they ever said, Kendall, give me the definition of a producer for the things that uh, producers do for TV and or radio, Nia Brooks, her face should be plastered right next to the definition. So I'm losing Nia Brooks, but I'm also gaining Nia Brooks because uh, there's a book she once shared with me. Uh, about uh, moving on. And I don't know if she, she'll remember that, but I read the book, and uh, there was a story in it about how one intern once worked for this major show but knew in their heart and their person that they would be doing much more than what they were doing with this big-time figure. Not that I'm a big-time figure, but stick with me on the analogy. You are big time. What you mean? <laughs> Will, that sweat is big time. Hey, hey. Not your, your sweat is big time. Your, let me hey, stick to the story. Will, let me right, stick to the story. Right. Let me stick to the story. So nonetheless, um, you know, I want to bring it to, to, to that apex. You should never be comfortable in, in, in your station in life. And I think that's what makes many successful people successful you get to a station in life and then you just like i'm gonna settle for that that's all i want and that has never been my girl now nah, i fire so i'm 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 glad that i'm losing the 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 younger one mm-hmm. but i'm gaining the grown-ass woman and that's real talk my girl nah thank you so very much for everything that you continuously do for the Kendall Moore show. A lot of folks don't know that you run my my uh, my social media pages, even the naked pictures and all that. And I got to oh. call you and tell you to take them down. No, I'm kidding. You know, I'm kidding about that. <laughs> but Naya, seriously, uh, uh, I, without I don't I, I don't even have enough adjectives or words to say. I am going to miss you and thank you tremendously for who you are. And do not forget about me when you. Do what you do, girl. Take it away. Well, thank you so much, Kendall. That was nice. Uh, with no hyperbole. <laughs> you know, um, I'm just grateful for the opportunity, you know, to be part of Black History, Black History in Chicago. Um, some of the things I greatly appreciate from the Kendall Moore Show. One, the spot. Yeah, no, 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 because I don't have my – well, let me grab those real quick, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> One, um, the ability to think on my feet. You know, I always tell Kendall he's the king of spontaneity. Um, it's good for throwing me into things without planning ahead, but tell me how to adapt. Um, also, I just appreciate WVON. Um, I've met the most humble black men in the world from this station. It's because – I've been at the Kendall Moore Show, and with the Kendall Moore Show, it's more than just a show with some people running their mouths. Like, we really are a family, and I just appreciate you all surrounding me with love, always uplifting me, have no problem challenging me, and also just taking my feedback humbly and gracefully. So just thank you for the opportunity. And this is not goodbye. It's just I'll see you later in a different form, you know. 
Yeah, I, you know what? Now, nah, and, and, and as I stated, um, you I already know you know big things. I I just want to get you on record. Don't forget about me because <laughs> I know you're headed to like uh, you know MTV or something like that. I don't, don't you ain't got to tell the people where you're headed, but I know you're headed somewhere. And don't forget about uh, Beretta and uh, Westside Will. Uh, you know, Isaiah to I, you know, the whole team, we're, we are here and you are doing your thing. And, uh, you know, it really, it's, it's been a pleasure uh, working alongside of you and really you being who you are in the part of the show. I need to uh, go to Beretta and then I'm, I'm go to West Side. You want me to be sentimental? Uh, then, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that sentimental. But I really do appreciate you. We're going to miss you. Um, really sad to see you go. It's one of those things that's just so bittersweet where selfishness wants you to keep them where they're at. Uh-huh. You know, like a parent. You don't want your kids to go. Sure. But you, you are also happy to see them grow and come into their own and just take the world by the horns and, you know, make it their I was about to curse. Please don't curse. It's, it's still only six o'clock. Let's let's get it to at least seven o'clock. Naya, before take we the start. world by the horns and make it your oyster. I'll say. That. <laughs> Will, where you at with it? Hey, look. Let me tell you, son. I'm so uh, proud and happy to have met uh, Miss Miss Naya Brooks. Um, you know, the the thing is, you you see growth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and and I've been here. I've been here with my son. You know, they're they not going to be that, that size forever. And yeah. you got to let them go. And I saw this a while ago. Yeah. I knew eventually, yeah, she's doing a lot. And she's she's uh, she's just good at what she does. So it was just a matter of time. But I'm happy. I'm so happy for her. I'm so happy to have the opportunity to have met her. And and you know and and we'll we'll our paths will cross again. Yeah, we gon we, we gonna like see you, girl. Girl, girl, we gonna see you, girl. Oh, no, you can't get rid of us that easy. They, they grow up so fast, man. Yes, yeah. she already grown. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. But you know, you when you're around <laughs> them, you know, what I'm saying I'm her senior. I'm a senior to her. Uh, they grow up so fast, like your kids, man. So I'm so proud and happy to have been working with you. You know, your leadership mm. is tremendous, young lady. I don't know what else to say. I hope you change your replacement. That's what I hope because there's some big shoes to fill. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to need that. We are definitely going to need that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Naya, uh, we'll give you the last word. Before I, before we uh, transition into the break, I do want to I do want to say Naya has put together yet another great, terrific show tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How about that on her way uh, as she transitions? Uh, I know we're getting into some politics as we begin. Listen, there is the 7 o'clock hour. Um, uh, you know, I really, I guess I'll talk about that when I uh, come back from the break. The 7 o'clock hour, you guys do not want to miss this. There's a lot going on for National uh, HIV AIDS Awareness Day uh, across the nation. And uh, we're going to be doing some uh, fantastic interview that's coming up during the 7 o'clock hour. And then we have, uh, you know, it's Black History Month. That's right. We got the sister coming in. Yana Cello. Yana Cello. She's in the building. And then then we also, we show love to our listeners. And so because... We show love to our listeners. We and have Professor Stanley Davis on board. 
He is. He will be in studio. So it's a lot going on. Now see what I'm saying. This is what you do. This is you. Look at the mirror. This is you. We pointing to you. Naya, take us to break. Uh, we're up. We got to pay some bills. So tune into the Kendall Moore Show. Getting you from your work week to your weekend. It's Kendall Moore Radio for the next generation. Welcome back, folks. It's the Kendall Moore Show, 591-1690. That is the number to connect. What's that? Will, what up, what up? Better. they are yes. in the building. All right, I want to make sure that you guys are sticking around uh, for the 7 o'clock hour. Black, the Black Leadership AIDS Crisis Coalition, which is powered by the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Uh, during the 7 o'clock hour, we will be uh, discussing and having a, a tremendous discussion about this uh, critically acclaimed film, uh, and it's a reading from the award-winning book, All Boys Aren't Blue, by a good friend of mine out in Washington, D.C., uh, George M. Johnson. And it is in honor of National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day, directed, produced, and adapted by Nathan Hale Williams. Nathan Hale, Hale Williams will be joining us from 7 until 7.30 uh, uh, this evening uh, to discuss uh, All Boys Aren't Blue, Hashtag stigma has to go. All right, Will, what we got, man? You know, we start off with the well, politics. We had to the play thing, the violin man. for our girl, yes. Naya Fire. Yes. Well, we at? Look, the teachers, I told They're about to go on strike. But here's the thing, Will. Don't oh. act like I did. You Beretta, did I not say this was political? Yeah. Did I not say it? Yeah. Give me. One day, I tell my wife, Nicole, this all the time. One day, you're going to listen to me. <laughs> hey, go well, ahead, Will. Go ahead. All, all I gotta say is this: uh, they've already made their stances. The the teachers' unions has not negotiated, nor has the city or the mayor. So the thing is, it's up to the parents now. It's up to the parents, and it's what they think. You know, I have talked to at least two or three parents this week who were for the children. Why are you talking to the parents? Well, who are you to be talking to well, parents? Well, you know, I do some things out. Okay, because you got a million jobs. In, Go in ahead. In the public service arena. But what I'm saying is I have talked to two or three parents who are for the kids going back to school. But I have also talked to two or three parents at the same time who said they are for the teachers. And the thing is, basically what it comes down to is what the parents think because they're the ones that are going to be affected if they got to go to work. They, you know, we, we, there's that thing they say that, you know, they use the schools as babysitters. But regardless of whether, whether they use the school as a babysitter or not, kids need to be in school. 
at a certain age from from zero to eighteen, they need to be in school legally. What's or different? 17. What's different about Chicago? I mean, there's parts of the rest of the country. California really is just coming off of they they you know literally there are other parts of the country where the kids are not back in school, including right. the uh, including the state of New York. Right? Mm-hmm. What's different about Chicago that's going to make it different? And then here's the other question that I need to pose and put out there mm-hmm. because you know we have these very uh, very topic conversations. CDC has not released what the guidelines or protocol should be for kids returning to school either. You know, it's, it's right. kind of like state by state is by happenstance. So if there's no official guidance that's coming down, it's sort of like people getting, uh, uh, getting vaccinated, right? Mm-hmm. There is no official protocol for people getting vaccinated. You know, I, was seeing, I, I read an right. article today that 38% of the people who got vaccinated, 38%, who got vaccinated in the state of Illinois is not even from Illinois. Wow. Wow. And so when it, you can't make this up, go, go Google this 38% of people in the state of Illinois who got vaccinated was from a completely different, uh, 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 they were not they, from they the state of Illinois. To get they, they drove over here yet. And still, they when it comes to the, uh, the Latin, the Latinx and the African-American communities, mm-hmm. we still, you know, we're at like 5%, 3%. Like, so right. when we talk about kids going back to school, let me get back so I can give it back to you, Will. Right, right. There's other parts of the country where the kids are not back in school. It's very political here in the city of Chicago. What makes, help me understand why this isn't political and why people got a problem because with the Because the teachers. educational system is bad, period. And you're seeing kids suffering now educationally, and they're going to suffer They're going to suffer a whole lot more in the future, the next 10 years, and they can't read. They already can't read probably the 80% uh, capacity. It's probably going to be 100 if they don't hurry up and get them back in school on time. We're all taking the loss. So, you know, what we have to – got to come That's to some type of con- – compromise and what they need to do is leave it up to the parents to make the decision and if the parents make the decision they should decide whether or not the parent the parents should make the decision whether they can get their kids vaccinated for the safety of the teachers you know a long time ago and then still today you have to get your parents to sign a form to get vaccinated for measles and everything else right so here's the thing if if the teachers want kids to come to school Okay, that's great. The, let the parents agree. Let the parents agree to get their kids vaccinated. But the, the teachers the do teachers. not want the kids to come to school. The teachers because they're worried about catching something from the kids and, and then that's taking it back to their exactly. family. Right? Vaccinate so the kids. That's not making sense vaccinate. to me. Will well, go wait, ahead. Wait, wait, wait go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Vaccinate the kids for the teachers. Okay, we're taking risk every day anyway. Let's be for real. You go to the store, you can still catch it. You don't know. You're not in class with the kids. You know. But here's the thing: if you vaccinate the kids, you put certain amount of vaccines aside for the kids who are able to go to class, the ones who need it the most, the ones who are not performing, reach out to them, reach out to their parents. If their parents agree and they sign the form, you get your kid vaccinated, you go to school, okay? Can I the raise my hand? Can I can raise I my hand? Because I don't want to yeah. sound combative. Go ahead, yeah. uh, Beretta, cause, because that, that don't make sense. But have they determined that if you are vaccinated that you can't still be a carrier? Because You can, you can still, still be a carrier, so but the teachers are worried about catching something from the kids. So Right, so the kids are vaccinated, which means that they won't get it, but they can still carry it and give it to the well, teachers. Well, we, we vaccinate problem. people for measles, but here's the and thing. they still could take it home. We don't have it. a vaccination for, uh, for, for children under 16. 
So it doesn't when, even exist. It doesn't exist. So when we talk I about, I think they can vaccinate them. I don't. I don't well, believe we, that. We don't want We don't want to just say we think I that think we they can. can do it. If you got it for what adults, the, what the, you can uh, do what, it for what kids. the Center for Disease Control, who is the official, Dr. Fauci, and all of them, right. There is no vaccination for kids under 16. Let's be very clear. And I don't. Irony, we don't. We don't want to say we think that they can. Right. They can't, and they're not. The so when we talk about the 16 year, when we talk about the people who are 16. Uh, and above. Now we're talking about high school. High school kids. But we're having a conversation about the kids who are from kindergarten leading up to that. And that, for me, and again, that's a problem because why if the kids get vaccinated, it's the teachers who are asking for safety. Right. And if the teachers are not vaccinated, and listen, folks, I want to slow down real, I want to slow down. I got to take a break. Vaccination means two doses Mm -hmm. and you got to take it's going to take a while. So even if they get the first dose, right, they still not covered. That's the Kendall Moore show. We'll take the calls and we return. There's no win win. He's the new kid on the block. He's got the weekends on lock. Kendall Moore, radio for the next generation. On the talk of Chicago, 1690 February is Black History Month, and Bond TV will be telling our story. All month long, Bond TV will be featuring great film, documentaries, and more. Premiering this Friday on Bond TV, American Fumble, a true rags-to-riches film about a first-round draft pick who could not handle fame and fortune. Make sure you check out Bond TV, everybody, vontv.com. All right, it's the Kendall Moore Show, 591-1690. That is the number of the Friday night show. You never know what you get when you are here. Stick around. Make sure, 7 o'clock, we are talking with uh, Brother George M. I'm, 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 excuse me, uh, Brother uh, Nathan Hale Williams. All boys aren't blue. Big shout out to everyone out there who will be celebrating National HIV uh, Black National HIV AIDS Awareness Day. 591-1690, that is the number. We're talking about the teachers, and we're Mm -hmm. talking about the teachers have a right to feel the way that they feel relative to the kids or or, or their their safety and their families. It's not like these teachers don't have families. It's it's just not. It's very political. I know the political side of it. Go ahead, Will. Like you said, it's political, though. Do you think it has turned? 
political? Do you think they're just using this as a ploy? Because that's what the mayor is saying. That's what she's saying in so many words. Do you want this me to be is real just honest political with you? agitation. It is. It you is. Know. But it's, it's the same thing. You can't, you can't dispute a person wanting their place of employment to be safe. Right. You know, make sure where I go and where I work that it's safe. We get safety standards all the time. Listen, if this is happening, you're not going to be there. If anybody, if, if it's nobody else, I think teachers deserve that. But at the same time, with all the concessions, and mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in writing, that supposedly have been made, I know for a fact, and I've said this and I will say it again, as Beretta plays with her fingers, <laughs> that it's political. Yeah. And I, I will, and I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. Because nobody else has said, Madam Tony Preckwinkle, they wanted the Chicago Public School Teachers Union. They wanted her to be mayor. She did not become mayor, and they're giving Lori Hill. So, let's, let's, so it's political. Let's go to the phone lines. David, how you doing? This is Kendall. I'm doing good. Uh, thank you for taking my phone call. But you know, I have one. I'm wondering is why is it uh, when you look at like school district and now. In Skokie, all the teachers have gotten the opportunity to get vaccinated, but except when you look in that black community, it's like it's pick and choose. They're only choosing which, which neighborhood has, or hotspots. Now, I agree. Teacher, I agree with you on that. I do. is given the opportunity to do so. So I'm wondering, is this political or are they using um, plain pictures as Guinea pigs of what? All right, David, thank you so very much for that. Certainly appreciate it. Will, you want to take a stab at that? Well, I mean, it's up, like I said, it's up to the parents to make the call, to call the mayor. Or to How call does the, the parents have it? What does the parents because have to the do parents, with the teachers, the parents, bro? the parents are the ones who have the the children, The parents course. can't the make parents the teachers the, go back to school, though, Will. Uh, the parents cannot well, make the teachers. Well, teachers are parents, too. Exactly. Okay, but... Basically, what I'm saying is if they're going to have any confidence in the teachers union ever again, they're going to probably have to compromise because I've I've talked to some parents who are very upset that that their children are not in school and they know they're not doing well. I had uh, I talked to a young lady earlier this week who said she knew her kids were not doing very well. And, and, And let me just say this. She's white and she lived in Wicker Park and she told me. I'm ready for them to, to get back to school. There's, you know, they're falling behind. With, with Without question, uh, there is depression that has set in with the kids. We as adults, I'm depressed. Hell, right. been in the damn big house with my wife and, and my kids who have to do remote learning. Right. And honestly, I mean, COVID has taken a toll on all of us. Right. I mean, it really has. And I'm not the, the, the taking away from anybody, their mental health uh, state, et cetera. But what I am pointing out is that, you know, it depends on which zip code you live in when Mm -hmm. it comes to the pressure of these kids being able to go back to school. And I'm not saying it's not rightfully so. So let me expound just 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 briefly for everyone. So if we're talking about Homewood Flossmoor, I'm looking at you, uh, Beretta. We're talking about Homewood Flossmoor. That system is a, a lot more. Uh, congruent and it, it's a lot more together when it comes to uh, distant learning, right. when it comes to uh, mental health and social, you know, all of that stuff. They have that 
already they have the resources. They have the resources, and so folks can you know tap into that. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about teachers who live on uh, the west and south sides, like really where you know when it comes to kids actually being in school, where they're being impacted, right. you are also sprinkling in sprinkling in those parents. And God, please forgive me, and I don't want people to hate me. Who they just want their kids out of the house. Mm-hmm. They're just used to their. Hold on, Will. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying. I mean, I'm not I'm, saying. I'm this not is disagreeing forever, with you. But they they want their kids out of the house. They're not used to having to take care of their kids. They don't know what the homework is. They understand what they're dealing with on a day in and day out basis. Just here today, we were. I just heard how many women lost their jobs because the new job report came out, which means that they're now in the household. So now you got household on top of household. Like I'm, I'm bringing up all of these scenarios because at the end of the day, we end up equaling why people want their kids back in this school. And you said it earlier today, Will. One, it serves as not just a babysitting center, but it also serves as a safe haven. It also serves I mean. as a yeah. soup kitchen. It yeah. also serves, you know what I mean? There's yeah. so many things that are attached to it. Yeah. So if I was a parent in that situation, I too would want my kids back in school. Now, let's go to the teacher side of it. On the teacher side of it is, I under, the teachers understand because they've been dealing with your kids for the for the forever. Right. They know how bad, how goddamn bad your kids are. They know what they provide. And everything else that's surrounded by it. But what they are saying is make it safe for us. Don't don't we're the teachers should not be the sacrificial lambs right. for right. the masses is all I'm saying. So how do you get to, you know, an equal an equilibrium well, with this asked, whole thing? They asked for the school, certain schools to be retrofitted. And the mayor says she has done that. She has she has done as much as she could possibly do. Now it's really up to us to make the but the, the retrofitting means that we need to change the, the ventilation. The, the ventilation. But that's what she did. In some right. schools, and that's and what they've done. But some of the schools. We, you know? So if they're looking at it and saying which schools, I, you know what, in, in, real, in, real, in real honesty, Mayor Lori Lightfoot is doing a fantastic job when it comes to the black and brown communities. I cannot right. I, I say that hands down. She's doing, I mean, she's doing what she, in my opinion, she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. But at the end of the day, because she's doing what she's supposed to be doing does not mean that they expect not just what you're supposed to be doing, but going above and beyond right. what those teachers up north are going to be dealing with. But let's take right. some of these calls before uh, they hang up on us. Let's go to Karim. Karim, how you doing? Welcome to the Kendall Moore Show. Hey, Kendall. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing, bro? Good, man. Hey, good show every Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to make a quick comment about about your mayor over there in Chicago. You know, I, I I think she's pretty good. I also think that she's being forced to to open up the schools. Unfortunately, she made a mistake uh, with the uh, with the woman that was, uh, you know, with the with the, yeah, with the video. Yeah, Karim, I said that. Will cuss me out about it though. I told you. Uh, uh, yeah. Jeanette Young? It's, 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 yeah, yeah, she did. What, yeah. Right, so we gonna move on. We won't. We won't. We won't. We won't. We won't. Okay, go ahead, brother Karim. Well, it, it to me, looking out, looking in, looking, looking in from outside, it seems to me like like her uh, reelection is already being tampered with, so that she is not reelected reelected next time. Mm. I agree. Um, as far as the school. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for a few years now, and I've been hearing a lot of stuff about how 
how the air conditionings aren't working in some of these schools, you know, on the south and west side. They're dirty, they're this, they're that. I don't blame the teachers one bit. And it's good to note that Dr. Fossey did not go see his children during the holidays. And I don't, I, uh, he might not. That's a very good point yet. that you bring up. Now, That's an extremely now, look, good so point it, that you bring up. It, it shows the importance of how serious that Dr. Fossey, supposed to, you know, supposedly being the expert, he's already putting out there, look, don't. You know, and, 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 a, and, you know, if I kind of translate it a little bit, he's saying, look, don't send your children to school. Not yet. Especially if you have uncomped schools, they're dirty. I, I even heard, you know, that there's mice and rat in some of those and schools. Compromise in many yeah, of right? the black and brown yeah. uh, communities. Yeah. Uh, so Brother Kareem, go ahead, because I got to get to these other callers. The te- yeah, the teachers are absolutely correct. Why put their lives on the line for schools that that isn't even up to par with, you know, we got summer coming. They're not ready. And, you know, it, it, it's more, it's, it, I think it's more of a vaccination thing with, with, with what's going on in Chicago because the same thing's going on here in Buffalo. You got parents just like, well, parents here and teachers here that don't want to send their children to these schools because of the, uh, you know, you got this new strain supposedly going Absolutely. on. And, and one more thing, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, uh, the, the vaccines were not meant to were not meant to be taken seriously, and were not meant to do anything anyway. They're already saying that this they're calling it the Wuhan virus. They're already saying that this thing is is is, is going to be around for the next seven years. Mm. All right, brother, that the virus, the vaccines aren't yeah. doing Thank little you. or nothing. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. I, I think we're, uh, it's, in, it's in the environment. It'll never go away. It'll be here like the flu like is the here. Flu, you yeah. get the flu shot. It's in the environment now. Um, when, when it comes to Lori Lightfoot, look, she's damned if, if she do, she's damned if she don't. This is just one of these situations where people can take advantage you know, and, and, and ride on it. And you and has, really are. has the constituent, has the voter or whoever at that period of time, you have to just really make a good decision on what you want. I think she's done a good job. I think she's done what she can do. Um, I agree with you, Will. At, and, and, at you know, some I'm point, a fan. life must go on. I say that out loud. I and am I a don't fan. mean that to be careless, but at some point, life must go on. How long should we wait? Should we wait seven years before we send the kids back to school? Hell. But no, but but, but at least, but at Should least, we wait? can we and, have a baseline to start from? Again, we started. And that's tonight. what we need to do. But, that's but, what but, she's trying to do. Have a baseline. We started this conversation that's saying the Centers for Disease Control right. has not put out anything relative to what the baseline is for it. They're, they, from the Trump administration, it's been. Let's first of all, let's go back there. It's been a, a catastrophe. Yes. So now the Biden administration had to come in, and now we're, we're literally starting from scratch. And now we're trying to get all of these vaccinations out and get all of these people, and now we done sole sourced them out to uh, high-end pharmacies, Walgreens, and CVS when, when, it, when it needs to be in the communities with the smaller community-based organizations. With, you, know, you know, Governor Pritzker has brought in, um, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the armed forces. What are they called? The guys on the, the weekend? Militia. 
No, not the militia. Not the militia. I'm talking about the National Guard. The National Guard. How'd you go from the dude? This has been a long day. Come on, man. 2020 was. But you know what? Kendall, the caller made a very valid point. Pre-COVID, these teachers didn't feel protected and taken care of. So now you throw a life-threatening virus into the mix, even if the vaccine wasn't the main reason, even if it was political. You just gave them ammunition because you haven't taken care of them at all already. Mm. They haven't felt like they were in a well, safe environment understand, already. Though, she inherited. Not like, to, I'm well, not talking about just, just the mayor. mayor. I'm talking yeah. about the system. Right. Yeah. right. We need to fix the system. And they wouldn't even feel, possibly they wouldn't feel so... Uh, much reservation about going back if they felt like the system had their best interest in mind already. I feel that. All right. Well, who runs the system? All right. Well, we got to take a break. We'll talk who about runs the system? Let's get to uh, Rosita. Rosetta. Rosita. Rosita, you're the next one up. We got to take a break. It's the Kendall Moore Show. He's the new kid on the block. He's got the weekends on lock. Kendall Moore. Radio for the next generation. On the talk of Chicago. 1690 WVON. All right, welcome back, folks. Uh, 53 minutes after the hour. Stick around. Of course, 7 o'clock. Nathan Hale, he will be here with us. All right, back to um, the CPS and teachers. Teachers around the country, for a matter of a faculty. I wonder, you know, if it's just a lot of pressure. Well, we already know that it's political, so I don't even want to say that it's pressure. I know why people want their kids back in school. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a myriad of reasons why people, why uh, people, especially those who are un- underserved and um you know, it, it, there's just other issues, underlining issues in the household. Right. It would make sense, but it, it just goes to show why there is a need for a bigger budget for for the for the teachers and what their what their worth is. Uh, it really is. It's it's, it's being shown uh, live and in color. Let's go to uh, Rosita. Rosita, how you doing? Welcome to the Kendall Moore Show. Yes, good evening. I'm sitting here listening to the show, and this is what I want to say. I think as a black community, uh, we need to be concerned about, we're concerned about teachers, but this particular caucus of the union has over 10,000 black teachers terminated with absolutely no advocacy. So let me just say that Mm -hmm. as I go. I mean, we had in the late 90s, we're down to 4,000 uh, African-American teachers. And there's been little said or done by this caucus of the union who actually signed union-busting bills. And this is part of the negotiation that they're trying to do to get back some of the things that they signed away 10 years ago under Karen Lewis. There was a union-busting bill that was signed. And a lot of things were given away that so the union isn't working like it should do to protect its members. This particular caucus is completely politicized. Mm. And I am praying to God that teachers wake up because they're not going to have a union. The focus of this union and the mission changed 10 years ago mm. when CORE came in to community and political organizing. Not They are no longer a service union for teachers. Mm. And this is why teachers are not getting advocacy like they need, especially the black ones. Rosita, but I'm concerned about, uh-huh. If I may ask you a question, do you think that the teachers union are concerned of, of the welfare of black students in particular? 
Well, let me say this. As a, I was one of the first community organizers for CTU when they changed over. I have a deep concern about how the black community teachers and students are being neglected in this entire process. I am very, we're looking at a union that's now 20% African-American teachers. Most of them are not veterans, have no historical memory. They don't know what's going on and has gone on. Our children are in the street, carjacking, killing, murder, and shooting. And a lot of these people are teenagers that need to be in school. Now, I believe there should be a hybrid model. There are, I have about 10 friends that go into school every day and have been going and want to go. Everybody does not want to stay home. Mm. A lot of teachers, when I go on, a lot of teachers I don't want to stay. It shouldn't be a one-size-fits-all. We should not shut down the entire system when 77,000 children are saying they can go back. We have almost 400,000 kids. So why can't it be open for that small amount of uh, parents and students that actually need to be in there? That's a very good point. That is a very good point. Are you for the teachers' union or for the mayor? I am. I particularly. I am. I am a union activist, Mm -hmm. but I am happy with the core caucus that is running our union. And our the election is next year. Teachers in May of twenty twenty two. And what we would like is that we need new leadership at the CTU. I want to ask you one more question. Do you believe the teachers union is are catering to a specific ethnic group aside? to a specific ethnic group. Absolutely, and it sure isn't the black community. Mm. Okay. Say that. Okay. Rosita, thank you. You know what? And on that note, we need to, uh, we, we got to take a break. Thank you so very much. You're listening to Kendall Moore, radio for the next generation, on the Talk of Chicago, 1690 AM, WVON. The Audio Genius. Welcome back, folks. It's the Kendall Moore Show. Friday nights will never be the same. 
Every Friday night, you get uh, the Kendall Moore Show. Of course, uh, Netta Beretta, Westside Wheel, Isaiah the I, and the the number and the way to connect to us, of course, is 591-1690. Ladies and gentlemen, February is Black History Month, and Von TV will be telling our story. All month long, Von TV will be featuring great film, documentaries, and more. Premiering tonight on Von TV, American Fumble. A true rags-to-riches film about a first-round draft pick who could not handle the fame and fortune. You can watch that and many other films during the, uh, Black History Month on Von TV, on Roku, or at www.von.tv. WVON, we're taking you to the next millennial. All right. Today, ladies and gentlemen, uh, well, coming up on Monday um, is National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Testing Day, etc. We're going to spend a little time right now uh, discussing uh, the HIV and AIDS as it relates to uh, black people. And specifically during Black History Month, we're having conversation uh, relative to um, HIV and AIDS. Um, but but I don't want to be, you know, just like that because HIV and AIDS still it scares people. Mm-hmm. I want to have a very organic conversation relative to it. Westside will uh, the numbers and the rates among African Americans are still through the roof, uh, hugely disproportionately impacted when it comes to HIV and AIDS. Um, and then the, the the social impact that that currently still exists. Why is it still so taboo? Um, Netta, Will, Isaiah, uh, when in, in the African American community. Yeah, unfortunately, there are just still some people who, uh, I, I, according to, I think it has a lot to do with their their religious beliefs, social beliefs. That still they hang on to this, and, and you know what I mean. So how so? Uh, well, the lives that generally they affiliate HIV with a person's lifestyle. Okay, gay LGBTQ community they affiliate it with that. So, and I think you know when you go into a lot of religious institutions, traditionally they've always been ostracized, or even if they were there in that institution, they would show they would really told in so many words don't show who you are in here you can't do that in here so you we still associate that you know and it has a lot to do with education mm-hmm. you know education and and people just getting out more and understanding you, you know that people are people regardless mm-hmm. you know and I, I think that has a lot to do that stigma that's why it's still around yeah, but right where you at with this? I don't have a lot of uh, people in the LGBTQ community in my circle, so I can't speak to that part, Will. I know that's not my That's concern. one of them. That's just one and of the parts, I, I think. Conversations that I've had, it's more so the fear because if you are positive, there's you, you can't get rid of it. So do I even want to find out that I'm positive because there's nothing I can do about it? My life is changing now. Uh it's just a permanent part of my life. Now what do I do? And then also just the stigma of you being maybe sexually irresponsible. Mm-hmm. So now everybody thinks that you don't know how to manage your genitalia because you have this disease. But there's so many different ways that you could have gotten it. So we have to get past the stigma. We have to get past the fear. And 
frankly past the selfishness Mm -hmm. because you not knowing that you have it is very dangerous. You could pass it along to someone else. So um, between those three things, those are the conversations that I've had about it. Got it. I I want to take it over to Isaiah as one of our uh, millennials. Well, less than he's a Zenner. If, if that's a, a, a correct pronunciation to uh, use. Zenial. Zenial. Uh, Isaiah, uh, HIV and AIDS, is it still having an impact uh, even in, in where you where your circles are? Um, I would say it is having some sort of impact because what Lynetta touched on, like the stigma associated with it and just the taboo nature of talking about it, but also just the lack of education around it and of how far, you know, medication for HIV and AIDS have come because before – you weren't, you know, you weren't said to be sexually active once you had HIV or AIDS because you could transmit it. Now you can because of things called PrEP and other kind of antibiotics and things like that that can prevent you from getting AIDS or, I mean, HIV, I should say, HIV positive. And so the stigma around it has been diminished throughout my, in my generation. Um, it's something that's looked at, you know, as anyone can catch any kind of sexually transmitted disease because you can get, you know, herpes, uh, gonorrhea, chlamydia, stuff like that. Those are still very common as well. And we look at HIV as no different. Just making sure you take care of yourself and you're responsible with yourself and your partners, your sexual partners, um, when need be. And kind of just move on from there. It's really, for my generation at least, there's no stigma associated with it. And we try to learn as much as possible whenever we can. Well, and speaking of stigma and uh, just vaccinations, et cetera, you know, there was a com- there's a other conversation that's associated with uh, vaccinations, et cetera. Well, you made a comment, and not to be transitioning, but I wanted to bring this up, saying that you had the hookup. Uh, on. <laughs> I got the, <laughs> the no, 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 no. Let's go ahead and say you said you had the hookup on getting vaccinated for COVID. Yeah, I got vaccinated today. That's the big announcement. Yeah, I, I got vaccinated. I had. That's all you gonna on? say about that? Like I really wanted to just like. Uh, uh, well, why you did know, you have to have a hookup right. for that though? I didn't necessarily. It was just something that kind of uh, opportunity that came to me. You know what I'm saying? Somebody had called Listen me. Listen to what you're saying, man. But, but, go look, ahead. Go look, ahead. Look, it was an opportunity that came to me. Some people did not show up to their appointments. Some people are still skeptical about taking the vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They can make the appointment. They could be at the door and say, no, I don't want to take it. I'm scared. You know, well, here's the thing. I got to walk out here in this world. I have to. You know, I'm not an old man, even though some people might say that, but I got to still walk out in this world and do things. So I, I have to I have to consider that. And I, I decided, yeah, uh, it was offered to me. And I said, I'm going to get vaccinated. And that's what I did. I got vaccinated today around three o'clock. <laughs> All right, folks, listen, I know this is a short Real talk. I got to take a short break. When we return, we'll finish the conversation. be good. <laughs> It's the Friday no, Night joking. Show. It's Kendall Moore. He's the new kid on the block. He's got the weekends on lock. Kendall Moore. Radio for the next generation. On the Talk of Chicago. 591 1690. That is the number to connect. 28 minutes after the hour, or at least going on that. Uh, coming up, we have another great interview. Of course, it is Black History Month. 
And you know what? When we talk about Black History Month, honestly, what happened to us in 2020, I mean, it, it should be Black History uh, yeah. Century. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to you know yes. Trump and to everything else that has taken place with us, You're right? Uh, just my 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 humble two cents. Yes, twenty twenty, the year of vision. Uh, do you think that America and or black people are we making a bigger deal about Black History Month because of twenty twenty and of all you know all of the killings, the George Floyd's and everything else? And I will, I got to bring this up. You you know a uh, little white boy out there with the uh, machine gun in Wisconsin? Yeah, you know they done locked him back up. Right, right, because he took that picture with the Proud Boys. Right? Uh, yeah, and he. Yeah. he, he yeah, but but okay. but back to the first. But back to the first question, though. Are we now, as a people, mm-hmm. are we a little bit more in tune when it comes to Black History Month, or I, are we still doing the same? And then you know, the kids are not even in school, right? So you know, what it used to be was Harriet Tubman, Dr. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Jr., right, and maybe you know Tuskegee. That's all they taught, right? right. So are we like are we doing more now because of what we've gone through and to at a to a sense or a point mm-hmm. we are now being acknowledged directly or indirectly by non-black people. I don't know if we're more in tune, but what I've seen that I absolutely love is people are celebrating names that you normally wouldn't hear about. Like mm-hmm. you said, we have the same names that we talk mm-hmm. about over Every and over. And the, over. Same the same right? names. The safe names. And it's usually associated with right. slavery or civil rights or uh, an invention of some sort. But I right. have seen a lot of people celebrating modern day living legends in the black community. I've seen yes. a lot of people celebrating their friends mm-hmm. who are doing things. Um, and it's just really nice for us to engage in that way and realize that we are black history. It's not just something that happened millennia ago. Yeah, you know, here's the thing with that. Uh, we have definitely come into an awakening, and we're awakening even more every day. And 2020 did, uh, you know, make everybody come to a stop and see what was going on, and people finally got angry because when you take away everybody's uh, uh, other activities and there's nothing else to do, now you have to focus. But, you know, black people uh, have done so much uh, for this country, the infrastructurally-wise. Charles R. Drew created the first blood bank. Sure. You know what I'm saying? We save everybody's lives, okay? Uh, you have a gentleman, uh, I can't think of his name right now. He was known as a thermo king. He created the air conditioner. You know what I mean? He created the refrigerator. Black man. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we don't talk about them, and they they hide these people you know what's from us. And we'll we, we, we make this world go around. It's not just what we invented here in America. But it helps everybody around the whole world. Yes, so sir. we need to recognize our value and what we have done, and we need to celebrate every day. We are not we are we are descendants of genius. I say this every day. I don't care. Thomas Edison, he had uh, George Washington Carver on his payroll. Yep. Everybody talk, started talking about how smart Thomas Edison was. Thomas Edison didn't know nothing. George Washington Carver, a black man. Okay, who was castrated when he was a, a young man as a slave? He invented he invented all of these things, mm-hmm. and he kept the patent. Edison kept the patent. Why, so, you, why you throw the castration in there? Yeah, no, no, but, but <laughs> he was castrated as a slave because he was a house slave. But, and, and what I was about to bring up, and and I wasn't, you know, this is what we do. We talk around a dinner table, and that is what science. You know, one of the thing in the scientist world, and I'm not a scientist, is like. Um, 
you know, if it was a white scientist, with every uh, white great inventor, they had a brother. Mm-hmm. Right behind. Right, them. right, right in front of them, and they took their they they took their uh, invention. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's almost like 3M. You know, you make it, we make it better. Yeah, or they, they had Thomas a, they, Edison. He made the light bulb, but hell, uh, Luz Latimer made the damn filament so the lights could stay on. You would not have no damn lights, period. But we like the world. Black History Month. Not here in America. We like the world. Black History Month, 2021. Is it still, is it the same? The undertone, has anything changed? Are we getting back to normal when it comes to everybody just being so docile when it comes to our worth in the African-American community? We need to recognize our worth. And I'm specifically talking we about need to recognize Black History our worth. Month. We need to recognize Frederick McKinley. That's right. who I was talking about, the Thermal King, who created the air conditioner and the refrigeration unit. So now when you go to the crib, your, your food is fresh. And the restaurants, they keep all their food up in, 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 in freezers. He created that black man. You know what they was doing before then? They were dipping foods in salts salt, yeah. to preserve it. So it was very salty, and everybody was walking around like with high blood pressure. Okay? <laughs> so you have to recognize those are just a few of the things, few trailblazers that have built the very infrastructure of this country. We need to recognize it first and take that with us when we go talk to Joe Biden, when we talk to whoever who's in charge and say, man, we need to get what we deserve because we've been robbed. We've been robbed over the centuries for this. I don't feel bad about saying I'm black. I'm black. I love being black. I am a black man. I'm proud to be black. And I'm not saying that uh, I don't dislike other people because they're not black, but I'm proud to be me. You know, I know I'm a descendant of genius. That's what we are. Understood. Black History Month, y'all. 365 days out of the year. <laughs> 365 days of the year. And, 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 again, so now the Super Bowl is coming up, and I know we're going to get into that maybe later on in tonight's program, but we're talking about it right now. The Super Bowl, we st- there still hasn't been a full-fledged conversation when it comes to Colin Kaepernick. Exactly. And how right he was with what he did. Absolutely. And all of this that has exploded. They're keeping it very quiet now. But he was so right. Mm-hmm. And then that leads me to the Proud Boys. Mm-hmm. The Proud Boys now are officially a terrorist organization. At least Canada has identified identified the Proud Boys as being mm-hmm. a terrorist organization. How can Canada do it, but the United States of America hasn't done that? Mm. Uh, and we're talking Black History Month, but, you know, it, it's all relevant. It is. As I look around the table, it has everybody a lot to just be with their there. culture. It has like, a lot like to be with their culture, how they operate, I so guess. America you know? is situated on a structure of like white supremacy and white privilege, and they never want to acknowledge or give away any power. And acknowledging the fact that they were wrong and that a president that they elected was endorsing a terrorist organization, a white supremacist organization, is too much for America to grapple mm-hmm. because of the hyper-realism that they live in. Whereas Canada has def- a little bit far more far removed from white supremacy, although they also have colonist um, traditions and um, beginnings from like, the French. Um, but they're far removed from that, and their structures aren't embedded like that in, like, in America. Racism isn't as prevalent in Canada, although it does exist. 
but it's not as prevalent as it is here in America. And I think that's why America has a hard time acknowledging that a group that the president of the United States endorsed is a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 you know, well, you know, Trump, his former uh, attorneys, they quit. So he has a whole new team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's already gone on record to say that he's not going to testify on, on his own behalf. Proud Boys, again, they have now been identified as a terrorist organization in Canada, but not here in the United States of America. And since we're talking black history, I might as well throw this in here as well. Uh, Joe Biden, well, uh, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris signed off on $1,400 for people's stimulus check last <laughs> night at oh. 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I just thought I'd bring that up during Black History Month. How about that? But no, 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 no. But, but, but seriously, Black History Month, and, and we, we, again, we put this huge emphasis on Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Is this really the only time that we have the opportunity to, you know, make our people shine? And we'll, we'll take that. Uh, right. we'll, we'll, it was rhetorical. It's not the only time. <laughs> it was we rhetorical. Have to, we have to know our contributions. If everybody, like we talk about the kids being in school, the parents have to teach the kids the contributions. There, are, You can go online and find black inventors and see the things they've created, we've created. Black woman created the damn alarm system for your house. Did, did, did you know that? Can't think of her name right now, but if you look it up, you'll see. She created that black woman you know so what's going on now you got all these companies like adt and and uh, uh wells fargo and yeah. all these companies the unique the security companies yeah, these yeah. electronic companies and they they got the patent to it the how you, is that there's volumes of things that black people have invented, in our but someone else got a hold of it first or had the means and the resources to actually patent it first so now they get the credit and the money for it exactly all right so i gotta take a break right now speaking of black history month right now we have a fantastic sister who is coming up and she's minutes away from us uh, and we have the honor of literally having her on our show very uh, proud to say uh, that she will be here in just one. So we got to take this break. And when we come back, when we talk about black excellence, you'll know what we're talking about. It's the Kendall Moore Show. He's the new kid on the block. He's got the weekends on lock. Kendall Moore, radio for the next generation. On the talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. What's up, Chicago? WVON 1690. This is the Kendall Moore Show. I'm the feature 
posts, whatever you want to call it, um, Naya Faya. First of all, let's go to our Facebook page and show some love to our loyal homies. We got David Woodson. Thank you for showing us love on Facebook Live. Joey Woodfork and the homie, the loyal homie, Stanley Davis. And y'all get to meet him later. So let's jump into this interview. I had the pleasure of meeting Yannick Cello in person 2019 at this community service-based event, this girl's mentoring fundraiser. But the formal introduction for her, Yannick Cello. Yannick Cello is a classically trained but trapfully raised cellist from the south side of Chicago. Yana combines her classical training with her love for hip-hop, old school, and R&B. Since the age of 13, she has performed nationwide for BET, McDonald's, BMW, Macy's, the Congressional Black Caucus, the Museums of Science and Industry, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. And... She's been featured with some celebrities. We're talking Lupe Fiasco, Twista, Jamila Woods, Four from VH1's Black Ink, and the list goes on. And she was also featured on ABC Chicago, NBC News, WTTW, 107.5, WGCI, Ebony Magazine. Yes, y'all, she is impressive. And don't get me started. You can just say that she just loves playing music especially when it comes to fundraisers. So without further ado, let's welcome Yana Cello. Yana, you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Welcome. <laughs> yes, welcome. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so excited to speak to you, Yana. It's been a year and some change. So, yes, let's talk, Yana. How did you get started with music? Yes, so I actually started in the public schools, but I actually started out in Naperville um, when I was like 10 years old. And we ended up losing our house in Naperville and had to move back to Chicago. And so my mom, she couldn't afford um, music lessons at the time. So in exchange for free music education, um, she worked at my childhood music school, uh, High Park Suzuki Institute. Um, And she worked there for free. And the owner, Lucinda Ali, she's a black violinist herself. um, She let me have free cello lessons, music theory, chamber, group classes, like the whole works. Um, so that's pretty much how I started with very humble beginnings. <laughs> and here I am now. Yes, and thank you for adding that flavor to the story. You know, rags to riches or started from the slums. Um, in the words of yeah. Broadway's, got it out the mud. <laughs> you got it out the mud. <laughs> yes. Do you have a song to Rodway's, any of his music, by the way? Do I have a song to who? Um, Roadwave. Rodway's, I don't know how to say his name. No, but I got to look into it. Oh, yeah, he's popping. He's popping. So you mentioned music. Shout out to your mom, the most resourceful women in this world, hands down, black Mm -hmm. women. So why the cello? Because, you know, there's a variety of string instrument. What stood out about the cello? Yes. So both of my younger cousins, um, Mira Williams and Ade Williams, they're like virtuosos in their own right. They started on the violin when they were three. And so I knew for a fact I did not want to do the violin. I did not want to do what my cousins were doing. Um, And I actually wanted to play the double bass, the upright double bass. But my conductor at the time said, girls um, can't play the double bass. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll pick the next biggest instrument. And so that's what I ended up picking. And thank God it worked out because I don't have to lug a bass around. (laughs) The cello is big enough for me. But, um, yeah, it was really by chance. So. 
Yes, definitely. And I was definitely strategic when I chose to play the flute. So I was like, this is cute. I don't need to spend money on uh, reads <laughs> and, right. you know, can transport it. So because it's Black History Month, tell us who are influential black musicians, artists that you look up to who influence your music? Oh, yes. So absolutely Esperanza Spalding hands down mm-hmm. without her I would have never known there were black cellists with natural hair that had a quirky style that looked like me I'll never forget when I was a kid my mom came home from Starbucks <laughs> we stayed at Starbucks and she brought home a CD of Esperanza Spalding and I flipped out seeing this black woman with this huge afro just rocking it rocking it and having her own sound and I knew from then like okay classical does not have to look one type of way um another major person is this hip-hop violinist called or her name is enzima um she went viral for her mask off cover and she's just been rocking it and she also has shown me what we can really do when we combine classical with hip-hop and any other um genres um just seeing her playing commercials create scores go on tours like play for beyonce like I never, ever would have thought I could do this on a traditionally classical instrument like the cello. So those were definitely my top two um, inspirations for Black History Month. Well, in general, in life. (laughs) Yes, Esperanza Spalding. I became familiar with her through a black hair magazine because for those of you who don't know, Esperanza (laughs) Spalding, she has this beautiful afro. Check her out. Mm -hmm. So you had mentioned seeing Esperanza Spalding as as you were coming up. So two questions. First of all, were you motivated to practice and rehearse? I knew I wasn't so much. <laughs> and then two, um, what advice do you have for parents and guardians who have young people who are in activities, specifically music? Like, how can they motivate them to practice? Yes. So, girl, absolutely. I was, okay, so my cousins, like I said, they've been playing since they were three. They absolutely practice like five plus hours a day. I was the one that could barely make it to three hours. Um, I wanted to live my best life in high school. So I practiced, but not nearly as much as I should have. Um, But what really motivated me, and I'm not even going to lie, was the money. Um, In high school, me and my cousins performed as a trio, and we got exposed to so many opportunities nationwide. And so that's what, I mean, it's bigger than the money, but it, it was, it showed that I can do this as a living. And it also showed that music is way beyond me. Like our talents are not for ourselves. And so there would be gigs where we performed and we would just be so engulfed and like, oh my God, you missed a note. How dare you? Uh, and then we would look out into the audience and there would literally be people crying. Um, I will never forget one gig. This woman could not walk. And she got up like she was walking towards the stage after we performed. And that's when I just realized, like, music is so much bigger than me. And it would be a a disservice to sit on a talent or potential that could be way bigger than any of us. You know what I mean? So um, that that was my inspiration, because practicing just for to be a good student, that wasn't enough for me. (laughs) Um, But in terms of parents, I would say, honestly, I grew up with the Suzuki method and the Suzuki method is heavily, um, it's based in, it takes a village to raise a child. So parents that you think you're just going to send your kids to a lesson and then they practice on their own, like, no, um, if it wasn't for my mother being heavily involved, um, I wouldn't be as dedicated as I am today. So I would say be heavily involved, like every day, every lesson, be there. 
um, to the point where you're basically learning how to play the instrument um, from a distance, you know? Um, so that is my biggest advice to parents. Okay, Yana, let's hold off on more questions. We got to pay some bills, mm-hmm. so and we'll take some callers and all that. That's WVON 1690. He's the new kid on the block. He's got the weekends on lock. Kendall Moore, radio for the next generation. WBON 1690, you're listening to The Kendall Moore Show. You're listening to Naya Faya, and I am interviewing the amazing, talented Yannick Cello. So last part we left off was It Takes a Village to Raise a Child. Your mother's amazing. Um, I do know that she is your momager because we were playing the interview. You was like, hit up my mother. I was like, okay, let's make this happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Employ your family. So I've been running my mouth enough. I want to flip it to my homie, Will. Will, what's your Queen Cello, how are you? I'm fabulous. How are you, Will? You are fabulous. And, hey, I, I can only <laughs> bow down in your presence. I've, I've seen you. I've known about your music, and I've watched your videos. Let me ask you this. Look. Certain instruments speak a language. Every instrument speaks a certain love language. The guitar speaks a certain love language. I put on a turtleneck and I play the guitar by a fireplace. It speaks a love language. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A saxophone, it speaks a love language. What does the cello, what type of love language to you does the cello speak? Oh, my God. This might be the best question I've ever gotten. Ooh, wow. ooh. The cello, I would say, is... It's not that that flashy person, but it's like that that cool, calm, and collective person in the back, the the mysterious one. But once you get to know them, it's just like, oh, okay, you kind of cute, you kind of sexy, you kind of you know, you kind of got it all going on. I would say that's the cello because you got the high pitch sounds. That period, you got the high pitch sounds that can really just go crazy. But then you got the low notes that'll just make you know your soul vibrate. So I think the cello is just. It's that it's that chill Friday night when you don't feel like going out. Oh, or wow. it could be that that Saturday night when you really want to turn up. But um, yeah, I I don't know. It was all over the place. But I think it's like that cool, calm, and collective person at the party that's not doing too much. <laughs> so so my second question to you is: What was the first song that you that you decided to play with the cello? And was it was it speaking a love language? Hmm. Okay. So the first song. I ever played with Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) You know, I I was learning. But when I transitioned from classical to more hip-hop, the first song I tried to improv on was Mask Off because that was, like, the, um, the song that was trending. And... I don't know if it was my love language because it was a new language. I had never combined classical with hip-hop, so it was completely foreign to me. But once I got into it, oh, yes, it, it's definitely my groove now. It just It's so liberating, you know? Um, so. so what does it take? What does it take to, to be a great cellist and to do what you do? Because what you do is different. 
You know, I, I'm an artist, but I'm a different type of artist. And I understand a musical artist, you know, like I said, you learn notes and things like that. I learn lines. But mm-hmm. what type of, what what does it take to, to be on your level? What, is, is it an ear? Is it a mind thing? Because you talked about methods, the Suzuki method. Mm-hmm. I never heard of that. I know about the Meisner method. You know, if mm-hmm. you're an actor, you know about Meisner. You know about all these other... What does it take? You know, I am still learning. So another thing is I quit playing for seven years and I just started back like in 2017. So I've been relearning all of my classical techniques on top of learning this new world of improv and everything. And so I'm still learning what it takes to be a great cellist. But what I look for in great musicians is the the freedom to not be so anal and strict with their classical training and just be able to adapt. I think a good musician, um, let alone a good cellist, adapts to anything. Genre, ensembles, the gig, because uh, there's so many gigs where the the client will ask for just something on the fly and you got to adapt. And it's just, I feel like a good cellist, you're just always a vibe. You know, you're always just down to be of the vibe that the client or the musicians you're playing with want. Well, um, I, I saw your Instagram and I saw the one you did with Michael Myers and the, and uh, the dancing. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, no, that was hot. It really just caught my attention. You know, and you played it so well. I thought it was the actual soundtrack from the Halloween <laughs> movie. So I just want to tell you, that was that was hot. You know, uh, what made you come up with that concept? Because I've never seen that Thank before. You. i got to be honest with you. Thank you. So <laughs> I'm always for Chicago. Anything Chicago, I am for. And so um, you know the viral video, the Halloween video of the guy footworking. That yes. just screams Chicago. And so I'm like, last year um, in 2019, I did a cover to um, us. And Lupita actually reposted it. So this past really? Halloween in 2020. Yes, I was, I was screaming, but um, this past Halloween, I'm like, okay, I want to do something, but I want it to be trap. I want it to be Chicago. And so that's what we decided on. My friend Dorian, who's also a DJ in Chicago, he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely down. And he did the footworking. I, I, oh, my God. I was running around crazy trying to find a wig, a mask, everything. But, yeah, we really pulled it together last minute, and I was very nervous because I did not feel confident in the track. But... It came together pretty okay, so it it was hot. I gotta be honest with you, it was hot. Thank you. <laughs> I agree. This is Netta Beretta and I absolutely love that you took a step back and you were able to live your life and then really see your craft through a a wide lens because sometimes that's what you need to refocus and then at that point you're actually choosing your destiny you're not doing it out of habit or because you think you're supposed to it was a choice that you made and the impact that you're having especially with the fusion of hip-hop and classical you are able to reach us right now people right now who might not be in tune with classical music or realize how it relates to them and it just goes back to what we were talking about earlier about how we are black history right now. It's not just people from a long time ago. We are making history. So my question to you is, with your music and your style, what legacy is it that you really want to leave? Yes. Oh, yes. So the legacy I want to leave is 
Number one, I, I said this earlier, but our talents are not for us. Like, music is seriously a superpower, and it should be treated as such. Um, number two, representation, a thousand percent. Um, if I knew that what I'm doing now was a possibility, I would have been doing it in high school. You know what I mean? Like, just seeing yourself in the spaces you didn't think were possible can change the trajectory of a child's life. And number three is it is never too late to learn, quit, relearn, start, quit, and restart. Like I said, I quit playing for seven years, and I honestly thought I would never play again. I just I felt inadequate being in classical spaces. I didn't know any other options. And so now, like you said, seeing a whole new lens, it is so empowering. And I just, I, I really, I don't know how many people come up to me saying, I wish I would have stuck with this. And it's just like, it's never too late. It, it really is. I never would have thought I'd be doing what I was doing now. So I'd say those are my three things I want to leave for my legacy. Thank you for adding that part about it's never too late because the WVON audience are older people, you know, the seasoned people. And sometimes we mm-hmm. think that, oh, because we reach a certain age that it's too late to learn. But thank you for adding that. And to Neto's point, I appreciate you saying that you took a step back because it shows you that success isn't linear. Like you sometimes yes. have to have a pit stop, you know, get some road bumps. Yep. So speaking about like vision and things of the future, who are dream artists that you want to work with and what plans do you have for 2021 like any things that we can support oh my gosh I have been asked that who do I want to work with and I don't even know where to start there are so many talented musicians but I will say in terms of this year um, there have been some opportunities once again it's just you don't you can't even fathom the opportunities because we just can't drink big enough but I'm really starting to realize I need to create original music, which I am scared of. But honestly, it's I feel like being a musician, you're just constantly learning and you're constantly pushing yourself. So that is the next step, hopefully, this year is to make some original music. I'm still trying to figure out my sound, but we'll, we'll get there. It is a journey. Um, but with artists to work with, oh, my God, I would love to work with Ari Lennox. Like her voice, that little raspiness to it. Ooh-hoo! It would be so cute with the cello. <laughs> Um, and then on top of it, if we, if we want to talk about like trap, ooh, 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 um, oh God. Oh, Megan Thee Stallion. Of course, that's inevitable. I don't even know why it took me so long to say that. But, um, yeah, I'll say Ari Lennox for like a vibe, Megan for just the energy, you know? Um, so Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of Ari Lennox. I remember uh, when she came up on Black and Sexy TV, like this was like almost a decade ago. And then definitely Megan Thee Stallion, you know, the hot girls got to represent, you know, knees of titanium. Hello. (laughs) Yes. Knees on a thousand. Yes. Yes. Drive the boat. Um, So (laughs) if you know, then you know. So we got to wrap up this interview. But before we go. Please tell the audience and the loyal listeners how they can stay connected with you, your website, social media, etc. Yes, thank you. You can find me at yanacello.com and all my socials from literally Pinterest to Instagram to YouTube to TikTok is all yanacello, Y-A-N-N-A-C-E-L-L-O. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time, Yana. We have to head into the Lit Roundtable. And thank y'all for y'all time. This is WBON 1690. 
He's hot. He's mannish. But it gets no realer than him. Kendall Moore, radio for the next generation. On the Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. It is Black History Month on Bond TV, and we will be telling our story. All month long, WVON TV will be featuring great films, documentaries, and more. Premiering this Friday, and it's taking place this evening, American Fumble, a true rags-to-riches film about a first-round draft pick who could not handle fame and fortune. You can watch Bond TV on Roku or at www.von.tv All right, find out one sixteen ninety. That is the number. When you hear this music, you know it is time for the lit roundtable. It's lit. All right, and the lit roundtable mean that we lit when we get around the lit roundtable. For people who don't know what lit means, lit means we on fire. By the time we get to this third hour. We already done seen and done talked about and done did everything that we are or supposedly had done. Yes. Uh, before we get to uh, this eight o'clock hour, excuse yes. me, going going into nine. If you are at home and you uh, you should already have your libations in, to the cocaine. No, I'm kidding. And, and, and have your seatbelt on. And have your seatbelt on. No, no, I'm kidding. I am kidding. It's Friday night. You already know what we do. All right. Nonetheless, though, for those who are just joining us uh, for the first time when it comes to the Lit Roundtable, the Lit Roundtable, we talk about and we go around the world about the the hottest topics that are having an impact on the African-American community. And not just that, but uh, other folks around the world, just hot button topics. Tonight, however, will... Yes. Netta Beretta. Yes, sir. We do have the honor of having one of our... Astute listeners, yes, live in the studio. Great yes. brother, professor. I, I, I refer to him as Doctor. No, yes. no. Uh, we, we're doctor, not gonna no, Doctor no. in music. <laughs> doctor in music. Well, do you absolutely have to be a doctor? That's in music. right. 
No, you don't. What do you mean? Hold on. Before before you say yes, no, you don't. Yes, yes. Will, uh, do me the honors. Look, ladies and gentlemen, you know, as has, has always talk about, I went to the great school of DePaul, Go blue and they and they're giving out damn degrees uh, at the ball. They give out degrees. Oh no, you get a degree. You do get a degree. You do ten week classes. It's like Oprah giving out bars, and I'm quite sure the gentleman that sits sits next to me will verify that because he was an esteemed professor at the school when I was there, Professor Stanley. L or L Stanley Davis, who's an avid Facebook listener, yes. and he is now in the studio with us. Hello, Professor. How professor, are you? How have, are you? Good evening. Good evening. One yes, of my sir. professors. Thank Haven't seen this man us. since 2000. I graduated in 2000. Oh. You hating both of y'all. He's, Stop. He's commenting. It's all right. He's commenting on all the stuff, and I'm like, I know this man. They're like, <laughs> Professor Davis. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. But Kendall's always trying to get me to call in. Call in. Call yes. In. I finally called in last week. No, I usually write. Oh, yeah. Write. Yeah. yeah. We are honored, sir. And we then when honored. you called in, and we absolutely are prior to us, uh, prior to us moving forward, I, I agree with uh, William. We are honored to have yes. you in, Professor. Yes, sir. We Thank are. Thank you very much. Yes. And so when we asked you to call in, you called in. We said, come into the studio. Yes, you did. So people understand when you hear us out loud, you can see what we do internally. So when you're not here, you're like, I know what they're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 let me, and let me just give the audience out there some of his his. Uh, uh, the accolades. His, his accolades. His, his He's a former BK. adjunct professor at Northwestern University uh, in music, former instructor at DePaul School of Music, my school, Go Blue Demons. They giving out them damn degrees. Former adjunct <laughs> d- instructor at Loyola University, studied performance studies at Northwestern University, okay? Majored in sociology with a focus in urban affairs. Look at this gentleman. And you also belong to an, uh, an organization, the Anti-Defamation League. You're a facilitator. That's huge. That is so huge. So not only are you an artist involved in music, but you are an activist as well, yes. just like the great Paul Robeson. Yes. We always say the artist is the activist. Trying to combat this racism, discrimination, and prejudice in not only this metropolitan area, but around the country. And so uh, the ADL, as it's commonly known, uh, created back in 1985 a program called the World of Difference. And the purpose of the World of Difference was to go into these classrooms and deal with these young people, these students from second grade to seniors, as well as the administration, uh, the teachers, and we get them to peel back the epidermis and look, go down to the corpuscle. Um, and the one thing that I will say uh, that has come out of my years, and I've started with them in 1991, mm. and I think I'm one of the oldest remaining facilitator consultants uh, working with them. Uh, we've, we've done a World of Difference, which is the school, primary, secondary, a campus of difference for the college, a workplace of difference, and then um, a, it was in the fall of 2018, we were um, commissioned to begin to train police officers mm. in this wow. city, 21,000 from the top brass to the lowest level mm. of the foot you know, patrolmen, um, lieutenants, the training officers, 
because of what came out of Washington, D.C., and that was because of the uh, Department of Justice saying, um, we need to look at managing your implicit bias. So um, that is absolutely incredible. I'm sorry, Professor. Go ahead. No, no. When I, you say implicit bias, like it's like boom to mm-hmm. me. Oh my God! Like we're in 2021 right now, and we saw what 2020 what it entailed, and now it's almost uh, like we're connecting the dots to say the Proud Boys, right? So we were. I mentioned that very briefly. We mentioned the Proud Boys because now they have been. Uh, they're they're now te- a terrorist group yes. in Canada. I'm asking America, why haven't we done that? But these are police officers, the same people that you are mentioning about the training, etc. The John Burgess, mm-hmm. who was able to retire. In Florida and do three months and then get out after he was found and get guilty and get a pension and got a pension. Yeah. Crazy. yeah, 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 yeah. Professor, yeah. so the end result, like the work that you have been involved with, mm-hmm. knowing what the end result is, my first question, honestly, would have to be, Will, and please jump in. I'm sorry. No, oh, no, I'm, no. Hey, we're excited I'm, to get you here. I'm sitting so learning, <laughs> man. No, no, no. I but will. the end result is, how do you deal with that? As a person, not just as a, 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 an African American male, but just as a, having lived through a certain station in the life of America, knowing what was wrong, and every now and again they show their hand and say, "Okay, we sorry." Well, I'm going to share something that would not be on my resume or on Facebook because I think I know where he's got. He's done his research. Um, <laughs> I want the country to know and the world for those who are listening from overseas. Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed, assassinated on my 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. And that forever changed my life. And I watched Baltimore, Maryland, and Washington, D.C. I'm from the East, and I watched it go up in flames. Now, we were the last two cities along the East Coast uh, because they, you know, New York, Philadelphia, Trenton, Newark, you know, those Camden, Wilmington, Chester, I mean, went up. But (laughs) I don't know whether it was just going south, but we were the last. But when I would look out of my bedroom window and look across, because where we lived was kind of on a hill, so you could look out over Baltimore. And to see this place just go up, and the corner drugstore pharmacy, they never did come back. Mm. They never came back. And then I came here the summer of 68, and I found myself going to Operation Breadbasket at Tabernacle Baptist oh, Church wow. mm. at 41st and Indiana Avenue, where this young Afroed, curly Afroed, Jesse Lewis Jackson was... I mean, the <laughs> power to the people, mm. S- Saturday after Saturday. And I came, I came here on my 16th birthday, summer, 68, and I found myself marching to close national food stores, the AMPs, because... I remember AMP. Coming from Maryland, where we had AMPs, we had black butchers, meat cutters, 
produce managers. I come to Chicago, the north, and I stayed here for eight weeks, by the way, mm-hmm. and I could not believe the only black folk I saw in the store working were those who swept the floors, mopped the floors, or bagged groceries. There were no cashiers. And this was 68. And I was thinking, Chicago, it's in the north. Mm-hmm. And then I kept reflecting back about Dr. King and his coming to Chicago and saying this was by far the most segregated city. And of course, when I came here as this teenager and I was riding the L from one end to the other because I wanted to see where the train would go, but everyone was telling me, you don't go across this street. You definitely don't go to Cicero. You don't go to right, Bridgeport. Right. And I was like, what kind of city <laughs> yes. is this? Yes. That's right. Well, I'm 16 years old, so yes. you got to go yes, to the mine. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm questioning everything. I'm analyzing. I've always, because I had teachers mm-hmm. in my public schools who taught you to think, critically think, and analytically critically think. That's what's wrong right now. These, mm-hmm. these young people don't think, but it's because they cannot think. They haven't been given the tools to... To, to, um, to um, cut their phone off when they're on the interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, they I'm, I'm have professor. not been given um, the tools. You know, they don't teach listening skills. Mm-hmm. We were taught that. We were taught how to think, and we were taught to challenge. I mean, from my elementary years... You mm-hmm. challenge, you ask why or why not. Mm-hmm. And I that was a part of my makeup. So when I moved to Chicago to go to Northwestern, uh, <laughs> my mother was, she said, now listen, you've gotten a full ride. Don't go out there trying to be a revolutionary. Because remember, Stokely Carmichael, H. Rap Brown, these, uh, these folk, I mean, you know, it was this, this fight between the SELC and the radicals. You know, you had uh, um, Fred Hampton and, and the Black Panthers. Movie, uh, so there was a lot of tension, you know, between leadership and, you know, the peaceful, nonviolent, wow. and the taking it over. So I come to Northwestern. We had the largest incoming black class in the, in the September of 1970. Yeah. And in the spring of my freshman year, we created or attempted to create a black choir, a black choir in at Northwestern. And we were not wanted. They did not allow us to to uh, to teach, I mean to uh to to rehearse on the campus. So um, I took the took the choir, the creation of the choir to the community. Why yeah. people want to call you when they know you're on the air? <laughs> Y'all stop calling the man. Like, you're I, on the air. Like, I can hear him. He's, he's teaching. He's stop calling him. <laughs> you can call him right after the interview. He's teaching right now. Come on now. <laughs> so so, so yeah. I took, and here's, here's the interesting twist in this. Okay. We went to a local AME church, which was off campus on Emerson Street in Evanston. And we approached this pastor. And I had gone to the church. He said, I was looking for a church home. So I would come into the city, go to the historical churches, you know, the churches that I knew about back in Maryland. And we met this man. 
whose name was Reverend Jacob S. Blake. Mm. Mm. Okay. Wow. The grandfather of Jacob Blake IV. Mm. And this man took us in. We rehearsed at his church every Saturday from 1 to 5. And we went on tour from out of that church. We sang for him every second Sunday in the month from October to June. That was our contribution back to the church. Reverend Blake adopted us. And he was my spiritual father away from home. But he was also like this father. And so... (laughs) It com- everything comes full circle. I keep saying it's the six degrees of separation. And when I found out that Jacob the Fourth, his grandson, had been shot in the back seven times, mm-hmm. you know. That's we, incredible. We helped to get Jacob the that Father is across country. He had just gone to his home in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I just happened to see a post saying, Little he because they call him Little Jake. Little Jake is not dead. I was like, what? And so I called Jacob, his father, who is now fifty-five years old. When Reverend Blake, the pastor of the church, died, Jacob, the father, now was eleven years old. Mm. And Reverend Blake, on his dying bed in the St. Francis Hospital in Evanston, asked me to look out after Pat, the widow-to-be, and his children. And so I'm unk to them. And so I find it just interesting that my work in terms of racial bias, discrimination, stereotyping, I mean, all these things that contribute to people being prejudiced in our society. I was... was being trained to do that work. I didn't know that at the time and and I never thought I would be there 27, 28 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, but there was so much work out here. Let me tell you, these college campuses are hotbeds. You know, my alma mater right now is dealing with black students being profiled mm-hmm. by the police, mm-hmm. the campus police, not to mention the Evanston police, I'm sure you will remember the young man who was working on his Ph.D. in engineering. And a Karen saw him trying to get into his car and called the He was in downtown Evanston. Mm -hmm. He tries to get in the car. She calls the police. They confront him on Ridge Avenue. This man, who's like your size, your height, uh, Kendall, is on the ground. He's telling them, it's my car. He was trying to produce the papers. They had a knee in his back because mm. he's face down. Mm. And he was in engineering. You yeah. know, incredible. So all of this kind of is full circle. But to, the, to say something about the music, it says that music soothes the savage beast. Oh, absolutely. It soothes the savage, savage beast. And um, the music thing in my life, uh, I would have never imagined in my wildest dreams that it, it enabled me to t- teach students. I mean, I didn't teach Will, yeah. but young people, I mean, I taught young people who were musicians in their local churches, and I had to kind of give them some history because 
you know, when we look at the music industry, and I can never forget that in a recent interview with, with um, Rolling Stone, they asked Quincy Jones, well, Mr. Jones, what do you think about the music industry? And he, his response was, what industry? Mm. Completely understand that. Completely understand. When you realize, and I listened to Perry in, during the day. Perry Small is what oh, they call her, y'all. Oh, you know that's my girl. Oh, that's my, oh, listen, I love me some Perry. She listening right now. It's <laughs> Perry, <laughs> and you better not text me. <laughs> but, no, seriously, um, when I think about James Brown and the message to his music and what he was able to do, I mean, we became black, really, literally. I mean, because I was a child, I was colored, and I was a Negro. And all of a sudden, the riots came. Vietnam War is raging. You know, and I had already decided. I had told my mom, 16, I said, Mom, if I don't get into college, I'm going to move to Canada. Because I wasn't going in wow. the rice. I was not going in the rice fields or the paddies to fight people who <laughs> done nothing that's to Vietnam. us. That's definitely Vietnam. Oh, right. yes. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we got we have to take a break right now. When we return, uh, we, we're going to continue the conversation. Professor, can you hang out with us for a little bit? Listen, so what we want to do, because in honor of a Black History Month, and not just because it's Black Hi- History Month. No, it should be 7 365 All day long. And yes. uh, Brother Will has already yes, uh, stated that. But we would humbly ask that you uh, hang around with us. I have uh, Nathan Hale Williams, who's coming up in yes. just a moment. Uh, we're going to have a discussion relative to uh, National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Month. And I would love to have you sit here and give your, uh, you know, participate in that conversation and give your thoughts on that as well. Can we can we ask that of you? You've got me. All right. So you're here for the roundtable discussion. It's the Kendall Moore Show. We'll be back in a moment. Don't touch the dial. It's WVON's original Friday night show. Kendall Moore. He'll be back in a moment. Gotta come back. All right, welcome back. It is the Kendall Moore Show. February, it's Black History Month here at WVON and on Vine TV. And we will be telling our story all month long, WVON TV. We will be featuring great films, documentaries, and more. Premiering tonight, 
The American Fumble. It's a true rags-to-riches film about a first-round draft pick who could not handle fame and fortune. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are not familiar with Von TV, please get up on it. You just do not want to be a part. You can catch and watch Von TV on Roku or at www.von.tv. All right, right now, just want a big, big shout. Uh, I, I cannot say enough about this, brother. Uh, the professor is in the building. We certainly appreciate Professor, I'm putting you on spot right now. Need to have you back. Yep. Absolutely. I really do. We're definitely going to extend I, some I, more invitations. We, we have to have you back. Just too much. You know, something that Cliff Kelly, you know, Cliff oh, is my God. mentor. Yes. You know, Cliff, you, I, I, right I got there. a history with being at VON. I think I've been at VON, VON for like 10, 12 years now. Melanie done fired me a couple times and well, brought she me fired back. Perry, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never worked the radio cool unless you've been fired. She, you know what I mean? she cools us down. Like, y'all doing, y'all do too much. And then she'll sit us down and, like, come on back. Y'all get y'all sales together. But nonetheless, though, I say this uh, uh, Brother Cliff Kelly, uh, one of my mentors, uh, uh, Richard Pergee. Oh, God. Uh, yes. Man, uh, Herb yes. Kent. Like, these are guys who, like, brought me up in, in, in the radio field. The reason I, that I bring them up, when you open your mouth and you talk about history, that is what is missing for black men. And I didn't even want to give any specific age group, but it's just it's missing. And I gravitate to that. Mm-hmm. I can I can name off a million other uh, brothers who I just would love. I just sit there. Uh, Paman Rami, uh, brother Pamon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just sit there and I just listen. Um, so we got we have to have you back. I'll be back. All right. Well, thanks for hanging around. Definitely. Right now, uh, I do have the honor and pleasure of having on Brother Nathan Hale Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, coming up on Monday is National HIV, a black National HIV AIDS Awareness Day. Make sure that you know your status. Why are we? What what is going on with the African American, the Black community, the Black and Latinx communities? Why is HIV and AIDS having such an impact? And then when it comes to who we are as individuals, there are many people who are still struggling with being who they are, regardless of what your sexual orientation is. What's coming up? All boys aren't blue. It's a film and it's a reading. From the award-winning book, a great friend of mine, out in Washington, D.C., Brother George uh, M. Johnson, uh, you know, and this is produced by the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. The subsidiary is Black, the Black... Uh, 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 Leadership uh, AIDS Crisis. Thank you very much. <laughs> Am I taking too long to get out of this? <laughs> no, no, I just want to help you out. <laughs> Nonetheless, though, without any further ado, Brother Nathan Hale Williams, welcome to the Kendall Moore Show. How you doing, Brother Nate? I am doing great, uh, Kendall. I am just happy to be here. You know, I'm from Chicago, so this is uh, like being at home but without the snow. Do you know what? The next time you are in Chicago, you better make sure you spend some Do You come by WVON with us, please. Absolutely. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Listen, thank you very much for uh, availing yourself and making some time uh, to talk about what is going to be happening on Monday. All boys aren't blue. You're doing your thing per usual. Uh, National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day, directed, produced, and adapted. Brother Nathan, 
please take it away. Thank you very much. So, yes, as you were saying, um, uh, you know, on Monday, uh, February 8th, we will be premiering a film that I directed uh, based on George M. Johnson's best-selling and award-winning memoir, All Boys Aren't Blue, uh, in commemoration of National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day. Uh, uh, George, uh, his book is just brilliantly penned, um, and it, talks, it takes us from his birth through the time he's 21. He talks about the intersectionality of his blackness and his black gayness and, and how he had to reconcile all of that. And we uh, do three chapters from the book. Uh, it stars Jennifer Lewis, everybody's favorite black mother, yes, everybody's yes. favorite yes. auntie, um, Delon Burnside from the hit show Pose, uh, Bernard David Jones, and Thomas Hobson. And so what you probably think of what a, a dramatic reading is, this Throw that out of your mind. This is a full-fledged film that is emotional. And you, 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 you pondered a question before I came on about why there's such a, still such a prevalence of HIV and AIDS in the, the black community, in the Latinx community, and it's because we're not having conversations. I just uh, got off of a panel with the Delta Sigma Theta and the Lynx, and it's really encouraging to be here, to be there, and having these conversations because, you know, we've seen, we know this for the truth. We've seen in other communities uh, HIV rates go down, and we've seen in the black community HIV rates continue to go up, and it's because we're not talking about it. And so I just applaud you, and I applaud everyone who has the courage to have these uncomfortable conversations and and really try to eradicate the divisiveness within our and within our community so that we can band together and really save ourselves because nobody else is coming to save us. Nathan Hill Williams, ladies and gentlemen, on the live line. Listen, we got a, a bunch of calls, and uh, you know what? Let me turn it over to uh, Isaiah, who's here right now. <laughs> Thank you again, uh, bro Williams. Go ahead. Uh, uh, hey, Nathan. This is Isaiah, um, and just. I wanted to give a little insight about who I am as a person so that we can get, you can know who I am. I am, my name is Isaiah, and I identify as black, non-binary, and queer. I also use they, them pronouns. Um, I also work in television and cultural studies, and the representation of marginalized groups is something that is really prevalent to me, and it's something that I aspire to do um, for the rest of my life, honestly, through activism and through media and film. And being that you directed, adapted, and produced you know, this story about a black, queer, non-binary person, I wanted to know, like, your inspiration for being a part of this project and helping in dispelling those stigmas and stereotypes and preconceived notions that are associated with black, queer youth, especially those stigmas around those who are non-binary as well. Uh, that's an amazing question, and so thank you for, for posing it. Um, you know, this was actually just divinely ordered. I had just finished reading uh, George's book, and I did not know George uh, at the time, who's also a non-binary writer. Uh, and I just said to myself, I, I know I know somebody that knows them, and I need to get in touch to say how much I appreciate it, not only just as a writer myself, the actual writing of the book, because it's beautifully written, but also this the courage and the bravery of sharing their story in this memoir. I think that's what attracted Gabrielle Union to it. And then almost like clockwork, the very next day, Amara Kennedy from uh, Black AA 
Chef called, and they've—I've been a longtime partner of theirs and, and film partner of theirs—and asked would I, you know, conceive and and uh, direct uh, a piece, uh, you know, a dramatic reading piece for uh, to commemorate National Black HIV/AIDS Awareness Day. And I said yes, and it was at the end of 2020, and I was exhausted. And what I have to say about why I said yes and why I'm glad I said yes is I think that. We have shied away from this conversation far too long, mm. and I think that it is time that we have a reckoning in our community. And really, we saw what happened in you know the 2020 election, it, uh, the harnessing of, of the black power, right? You know, we saw what happened over the summer with Black Lives Matter. So I think that you know having these conversations about the things that have tended to divide us for no good reason mm. um, is critical for us to move forward as a powerful community and really take our place in the, not only in this society but in the world. Abs- absolutely agree. Yes, of course. And um, I was, as a, as a media student, I was doing some research and, you know, only one trans- transgender character has been represented in the top 100 films over the last, you know, decade or so. And I wanted to know your insight on what should the industry do, mo- go, do going, moving forward in regards to representation and showcasing these stories and these people um, because it's lacking very significantly, especially when your intersections of identity of blackness and queerness and even gayness. Um, so what, do you, what are some um, secrets for success in the industry moving forward for this kind of representation? Well, you know, uh, Vivica Fox once told me that this is show business, and the more you know about the business, the more you get to show. And so, um, you know, there's one, there's, one, there's one color and one language that people here in Hollywood speak, and that's money, right? So right. we as create, you know, if you are a creator uh, like myself and like George, we have to be brave enough to push the narrative forward and change the pair and shift the paradigm and so that and then also prove that these things can be successful so you know we've been doing you know outreach and push for this uh, project all week to show that people actually will watch if we you know you look at something like moonlight right where yes. you know they they basically said no nah, no one's going to watch that yep. and then it wins best picture yep. um you know and I, what i say about this story that we're telling on monday is that it is very specific and universal all at the same time we all know what it's like to struggle with trying to find your own identity whether who you are you know as, as, as whatever your 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 whoever your idea whatever part of your identity we all struggle as we're growing up to find ourselves, so to speak, right? And so the way George has penned this particular narrative is specific to George and specific to black queer people, but universal because it's a universal experience, the growing up experience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our existence has always been here, but it's not always represented. And as someone who was working behind the camera, I do it myself and you do as well. And the statistics show that when, you know, black folks or any person of color works behind the camera, that that representation is reflected, you know, on the screen. And I wanted to know, you know, your process as well for um, helping get these characters on screen and the work that you've done to make sure that, you know, our people are represented accurately and our stories are being told, um, you know, in media. Well, quite frankly, it, you know, it's it's a it's a hustle, and I mean that in the most positive way <clears throat> possible. You know, uh, I think a lot of the times the impediment for uh, creators of color or creators from underrepresented uh, groups is finance. You know, it, it's being able to finance it. 
Uh, and, you know, I think in the digital age, that's become less of an issue because right. you can make a whole movie on your iPhone, right? You can, you can put, and, and you can shoot the movie, you can write it, you can put it out for people to see. And so I think that there is a renaissance coming. I think there is a golden age coming. You, you see a lot of voices that are unique and that you've never seen before. You see that, that, that show that everyone's upset about that it didn't get uh, nominated for Golden Globes. I may destroy you from the British black woman. Uh, you see the 40 year version from Raja. Um, you you yeah. see all these things yeah. because of digital uh, age that you can actually create your own stuff. And then you got to get out there and market it. And that's what one thing that mm -hmm. social media has done for us. It is the um, I can't think of the word right now. I've been talking all day, but it is uh, it is uh, basically made it accessible for everyone to promote themselves and their work, whereas it was reserved for a, a select few. So I think you have to take advantage of the opportunities the digital age is presenting us, and then we just have to keep telling our stories and really get good at telling those stories. Nathan, would 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 you say that you are? Um, you know, you you are the bridge builder. You're on the forefront because you you know you not have only been involved in this project, but there's uh, other projects uh, prior to prior to this one. A couple that uh, we certainly at AHF that we have uh, filmed and, and showed. But my my direct question to you, um, your passion behind these type of films and your involvement, um, what's the why behind that? Well, the why is because I love us. You know what I mean? The, and, and that just is as simple as that. I, I love us, and I love our stories. And I think that our culture is just so rich, and it's, it's, such, it's such a great you know, basis and foundation for creating art. Um, and then I also care about our survival and our thriving. And so I always say that I like to make uh, films that matter, but that deliver the medicine with a spoonful of sugar. You know, my previous film that I, I worked with AHF called 90 Days, yep. uh, you know, with uh, Tiana Paris starring in Pauletta Washington, you know, it was about, about a, hetero, a black heterosexual woman dealing with HIV and AIDS and dating and love. And I wanted to prove that you could make a story about HIV and AIDS and, you know, and have it be a love story. And, um, and so I want to, my goal is to change uh, the way we look at some of the things that how we how we solve those things you know aristotle said something like this that you don't change people's minds through intellect you do it through emotion and i don't know a better medium than film and television Absolutely. to do that uh, maybe music but arts and entertainment in general has a way of building empathy that other mechanisms just don't you can read a brochure and then never remember what it said but if you see a film and it touches your heart oh my god uh, you're yeah. changed forever. spot on you're touching yeah. touch so so what's up nathan this is west side will how are you sir i'm doing amazing west side will great great <laughs> all right all right look i'm looking at your background this says that you are a lawyer yeah entertainment, entertainment attorney yeah I am. so, so I'm, I wondering, am. I'm like what uh what were you always interested in the arts has a i mean because it seems to be you would have went to like a performing arts uh, to get an MFA or something like that. And we have a professor here, too. Yeah. Yeah, the professor has a question as well, but go ahead. Uh, yeah. get, get to Will, though. 
So it, it, my trajectory, you know, is, is so, you know, I was a kid in the 80s, and I remember specifically watching The Color Purple and watching it in a way that was not just like a regular viewer, right? I took, you know, I picked apart the colors, and I picked apart the performances. And so I was a, a kid actor in Chicago when I was growing up, and then I went to Whitney Young and performed in the company and, and, and was a dancer and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that wasn't practical back then. You know, right. you, you, I did, didn't have the language uh, to say, hey, I want to be a film director. Director. There weren't. There were black film directors, but they weren't. They weren't prominent. Like there was Oscar Micheaux and Melvin Van Peebles, but I didn't hear about them. It wasn't until I was in college, like the end of high school and beginning of college, when Spike Lee came along, that mm-hmm. I, I started to see images. Because you got to be able to see yourself doing something. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And so that's why representation matters. And so I knew that I could be a doctor or a lawyer, and I, I went to law school to actually be a film producer. I know that sounds crazy, but this woman, Deborah Martin Chase, I read her, her story. She's prolific. Um, yes. And she talked about going to law school and her job as a producer. Yeah. And so I went to it's, law school to mm-hmm. become a producer. Um, and it was <laughs> yeah. not uh, it's, Say that! Yeah. So I was a producer for a long exactly. time, and then my mom... Uh, being the great, you know, mother from the south side of Chicago she is, called me about six years ago, and she said, you know, I don't want you to produce anybody. I'm tired. She actually said, I'm tired of you producing other people's stuff. You've been Mm. writing since you were eight years old. It's time for you to do your own. And so I literally haven't looked back since. Uh, All Boys Aren't Blue is, in fact, is the first thing that I've directed in six years that I didn't write myself. So my journey to the arts and entertainment and film directing and writing was long because when I was growing up, it just there was no language for that. There was no example for that. So, uh, and I see that changing. Like my goddaughter, you know, has seen me do it, and so that's all she wants to do. She wants to be a director like Uncle Nathan, and um, she's 14. And so I love that. But when I was growing up, I just didn't have any any role models to look up to to see myself doing it. Nathan, and that is exactly what I'm saying. You You're are right that bridge builder You're right, right now. You are there. Listen, we only got a, a couple more minutes, Professor. Uh, anything? Uh, and I I'm sorry, Nathan. We we definitely have to have you back. I, I, you got too much going on for us not to have you back. Professor, go ahead. I want to find out where are you seeing this placed in the black church? Because uh, I watched in the 80s and 90s an entire community just get wiped out because the black church would not deal with it. Um, there was that that period of condemnation, and the pulpit uh, promoted that. You know, you're going to hell. You're, you're going to go into the lake of fire. You know, I mean, all of that, the preaching, but no one was dealing with the issues. And then suddenly, you know, after this entire population died, then we watch women developing HIV and full-blown AIDS. There was a young lady, and her name escapes me, but I can see her. She was a member of Second Baptist Church in Evanston, and she later joined um, a fellowship, Reverend Clay Evans Fellowship, and she became the poster child woman for um, a woman getting, because she went to full-blown AIDS, and she's still with us. Mm-hmm. So Great how, how have story. you addressed the black church and where do you see it and I know churches aren't meeting right now I know that but how can 
you're talking about building a bridge. There's a bridge that needs to be built. So, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that not only does, I mean, we, we know what importance and credence the black church has in our community, and rightfully so, right? Um, but we also know that the black church has some reconciling to do with uh, really being shepherds to save our community. And, um, and, and so there was a lot of bad things that happened in the 80s and the 90s and you know the the church you know is is culpable for some of that but what i do see and what i am encouraged by are churches like the church i went to when i lived in new york for you know first corinthians and pastor mike pastor shep here and uh in in la and i i see i see that there is a movement amongst black clergy to right the wrongs in the black church because if the black church got behind these issues fully and said, look, enough is enough. People are dying. Our people are dying. And um, then that would be a radical change. And so, you know, we were constantly, you know, kind of taking it to the black church to step up and really right the wrongs of the past. So because, uh, you know, we're dying. We're still dying from this, and we don't have to. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to touch on just, like, the way in which media represents us um, so vaguely sometimes and how the stories aren't always so authentic and a part of ourselves just how the potential that you know all boys aren't blue has to change the narrative in regards to what we talk about because this can be something that we talk about as a common ground and when we mention black queer non-binary youth or people it won't be a stigma attached to it and it won't be kind of like people don't know what it is they'll be able to look at media because over 60% of people get their information from media. So I want to gauge your interest and, like, your thoughts on the potential that All Boys Aren't Blue has to change the landscape of, you know, our culture. Oh, I, I believe it's going to rock. I believe because just the, the partnerships that we have, like, so the Root, the, the Grio, uh, GLAD, all coming together to have this conversation. And when you see the film, I... I I don't think you can be a human being and have an ounce of humanity in you and not be moved by mm-hmm. it and not be changed by it. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who comes from the community, and I still, and I, it's my film, and I've you know, seen it a gazillion times in this editing process, and I, I, I am still moved by it because it is the absolute humanity of what George has written that is so universal. Like I said, it's specific to George and it's specific to an experience, but the humanity of it is universal. And, you know, it's just, it's time for us to get over it. It's, I mean, we are so powerful, and uh, it doesn't make sense to limit that power because we're saying, you people, you, you know, you know, the pointing of the finger, you guys aren't allowed to be a part of this community. And that's just wrong. It's just plain old wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to end this. I do want to say thank you so very much. All Boys Aren't Blue, directed, produced, and adapted by Nathan Hale Williams. Monday, this Monday, folks, February 8th, 6, I'm 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, uh, Pacific Time, RSVP for free tickets. Make sure you check, go to the website Make sure that you are checking out. Google it. Google it. I'm registered. All boys aren't blue. Nathan Hale Williams, thank you so very much. Listen, we're going to be. I'm going to be begging you to come back to the show in the very near future. We will be in in the very near future, Mr. Williams.
Definitely, definitely. Thank you all, and I, I wish you all blessings and have a great weekend. I can't wait to come back. All right. Absolutely. Nathan Hill-Williams, right. everybody. We're back in a moment. He's the new kid on the block. He's got the weekends on lock. Kendall Moore. Radio for the next generation. On the Talk of Chicago. 1690 WBON. Physicians don't give out degrees. <laughs> hey, look here. Them, them, them quarters ain't no joke. No. You better have that book ready. All right, welcome week. back, ladies and gentlemen. I want to say thank you. To everyone who has tuned in across the country, you can also check me out and check this show out check at the Kendall out. Moore Show uh, on Facebook, Isaiah. On Facebook Live and on YouTube. Um, and, and on YouTube. We upload all the episodes there. Facebook has you know the live stream immediately for you to see. So please check it out whenever you can. <laughs> and and we, we're also doing the other thing. What is the other thing uh, with the, um, everybody and their mama doing? What do you mean? Uh, Instagram. Re- no, the, oh, Instagram. Re- Instagram. No, 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 recording your shows. What is podcast. 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 Instagram. Everybody in their mama. How the hell you listen to a podcast? How would you listen to a podcast and everybody in their mama got a damn podcast? Available everywhere as well. But our podcast, our podcast is, is the po- it. podcast. It's available everywhere yeah. as well. Yeah. All right, I want to thank my guest for the day, <laughs> Professor. Thank you. We certainly are going to have you back. <laughs> yes. Listen, yes, please. You know what? And I want to say this to everybody who's listening right now. We don't just talk about it, we do it. When uh-huh. we have uh, people call in to our show, uh-huh. we'll say, bring your bad ass on in so you can have a conversation <laughs> with us. Right. We want to see you show so you can face. talk right. shit in front <laughs> of us so we can, we can. I'm not saying you, Professor. We've had other people who, who call and criticize mm-hmm. and, uh, you know. So we're going to continue to do it. Uh, Brother right. Will said, Kendall, we're going to make sure we bring in That's people right. who uh, comment inbox on our... Inbox me, inbox Kendall. No, inbox, inbox Will and uh, don't hey, inbox Beretta. Because everybody... She, she's, don't, don't inbox you got enough hey, inbox. Yeah, she does. Yes, yes. Thank you, everybody. Naya, we love you. Yes. We're going yes. to miss you, Naya. Fire. Until next time. Thank and you. as always, church and tabernacle. <laughs> Generation Radio with Kendall Moore, WVON, AM 1690. Let's talk about it. Come on. New Generation. Kendall Moore Talk Radio, WVON, AM 1690. Streaming live from the web, WVON.com. Let's talk about it. What's up?